captain's log, stardate 865783.7. We have less than 29 hours before United Earth and Navarre start getting hit by debris from the DMA. 29 hours. Billions of lives. Until I figure out how to get us in front of the 10C, there is nothing we can do to stop this. They live inside of a hyperfield. And right now, I have no idea how to get in. What we'll find once we do, how to communicate with them, what they even look like. As a xenoanthropologist, I've never had less to work with. And as a captain, I have never been more afraid. your host, Adam Bowen, and with me, sniffing pheromones are... Matt <laughs> Garnick. Bill Woywad. And Emily Bowen-Marler. Welcome to Strange New Takes. Today we are tackling the 11th episode of the fourth season of Star Trek Discovery, entitled Rosetta. And we, before we get into that recap, I want to ask you to follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's the best way to hear about new episodes. And speaking of which, about hearing about episodes, we would really appreciate if you could give your our podcast a shout out in your group of friends. Tell them you listen to this great Star Trek podcast and you want to introduce other people to it as well. Also, don't forget to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app you might listen on that allows you to rate podcasts. We are going to be spoiling the episode, so if you haven't seen it already, uh, you probably want to watch it first. We may also be spoiling... Any other episodes in the Star Trek uh, canon today? <clears throat> yeah, so with that, uh, uh, as we mentioned before, we are talking about the fourth episode, or sorry, the fourth season of Discovery, specifically the 11th episode. It was first aired on the 3rd of March, 2022. The story is by uh, Terry Hughes Burton. It's directed by Jeff Bird and Jen McGowan. The in universe date is. Eight six five seven eight three point seven, which is thirty one ninety for all the noobs out there who can't just calculate that in their heads. Uh, I, oh, I, I think now I say this episode summary, even though our notes have always been backwards. Uh, I will say the episode summary now. Uh, while Captain Burnham leads an away mission to a planet that was once home to the aliens responsible for the DMA, Book and Tarka secretly infiltrate the USS Discovery. And this is the point where I'm going to just ask people, do you have any strange new takes for me? I do. Um, So you guys should all spend at least like 30 seconds learning about neutron stars because they're crazy. And they're like pretty small, but like super, super massive, like incredibly massive, like uh, more than Adam's mom. Um, <laughs> You're insulting two moms, not two moms. <laughs> two of our moms. <laughs> two of our moms. There we go. <laughs> so, sorry, sorry, <laughs> couldn't help it. Um, but they are super massive, and they like um, uh, spin so fast. Like uh, I don't know, they they do like a full rotation, like a every like millisecond or it's like way less than a second. So the, there are neutron stars where at the equator, um, 
the star is moving at like an appreciable fraction of the speed of light. <clears throat> that's where we get uh, pulsars from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Or not from. Okay. That's Ad- what Adam already knows. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, uh, what else? Uh, so yeah, for this episode, I, uh, I thought it was, you know, pretty cool. Like that, you know, so they're going in this direction where the, um, species 10 C is like a non humanoid, like really, you know, there sounds like they're like gas giant whales, um, which is cool to have something that's really alien as opposed to just some guys with rubber on their foreheads. But I think it also makes it harder to like, uh, make them into characters that you can empathize with. So we'll see how they treat that in the coming episodes. All right. Uh, I will jump in with a little bit of a, I don't know if this is depressing, but concerning Strange New Take, which is about Russian-U.S. space cooperation. Obviously, there are astronauts on board the International Space Station that are both Russian and American. They are usually ferried back and forth using Soyuz capsules, uh, which you may recognize as being Russian. So there's obviously current events. Uh, If you're listening to this, you probably know enough about them to understand why this is a concern. But it remains to be seen what happens to these missions uh, that are between Roscosmos and NASA. Um, The astronauts themselves uh, early on in the conflict had mentioned that, you know, they would continue life as usual on the space station. But given the current... uh, issues in relations between the two nations it's gonna be pretty complicated to figure out how those astronauts are gonna make their way home if for nothing else aeroflot canceled all international flights on march 8th my birthday by the way um so hey they'll probably just have to get into like a little lada and drive across eastern europe um uh to to make it back home so uh, anyway just something to think about but uh in in this episode I just kept thinking every time they were like, you know, that scene in the nursery, I kept thinking that, you know, the, the answer is love. It's always been love. And then I was hoping that one of them would find the hate pheromone and <laughs> it would be, it would be one of those, like the, the love one was red. Maybe the hate one is like purple or something. Um, yeah. Anyway. It's gotta be green. Cause green is like the color of all the bad things in Star mm. Trek. If you ever notice, like they're like the disruptors are green. Oh yeah, <laughs> the Borg are green. You know, like anyway. <laughs> yeah, which we we can hear a little bit about uh, that in another episode. Perhaps I think it's the same in Harry Potter as well. Slytherin in, green uh, and Harry's eyes because he is uh, he, the the main antagonist part, of the series. So. He's part Voldemort. Yeah. So we look. We spoiled Harry Potter too. Okay. <laughs> there we go. So. <laughs> So we, we, we warned you. Uh, let's see. For the strange new take for my uh, my life as a human being, um, <laughs> uh, I think it's just nice to take a walk outside sometimes. Uh, like, I think it probably is beneficial for just about everybody to get some sunshine and to just, like, look at some trees uh, and just do whatever like it's uh it was pretty nice outside this week so did some of that myself so go do that um for the episode uh i think i'm gonna second uh bill's take like i i'm i'm really intrigued to have some truly alien aliens in star trek i I think that uh while uh 
that one episode that sort of explained that everybody has like the same sort of origins was very interesting and uh, uh, and a good way of like explaining why everyone is humanoid. I, I think it, it does rob us of some set of stories that we can tell that um, I just, I, I see in other science fiction, but like really doesn't show up in Star Trek too much. So I, I'm, I'm hoping that we get into some weirdness, like uh, kind of like a rival or something like that uh, when we meet Species 10C. Okay. Um, well, as all of you know, we have been in the midst of a pandemic, which means, and I have a now four-year-old, which means he's pretty much a pandemic kid. So half of his life has been lived in a pandemic. And I just have to tell you, last night we went to a restaurant and ate in a restaurant inside for the first time in a very long time. There was hardly anyone in the restaurant. That's how we ended up doing this. <laughs> um, but uh he, we went with another uh, family from church and our kids are right around the same age. And just watching my four-year-old like actually play with another kid was so exciting. They were just like chasing each other around the tables and it just did my, my mother heart good. So anyway, yay for kids who don't know how to play with other kids because of the pandemic, finally learning how to play with other kids. <laughs> so anyway, we need a little bit of that in the world right now, I think. So, um, and my strange new take for the episode is, uh, it was kind of nice to see a return to Star Trek. It was very Star Trek-y, the parts of the episode where they were heading down to the surface and like hypothesizing what, mm -hmm, you know, what they mm -hmm. needed to do. It reminded me of our RPG on Thursday when we were at, wandering <laughs> out loud or wondering out loud you know, <laughs> what might be happening. <laughs> so anyway, fun times, fun times. Oh, I, that is, everyone has given their take. I, I, I didn't realize that we were, we were done with it then. Uh, so, uh, Fabulous. I'm, I'm doing great as a host this week. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it's re we're ready to just go straight into the episode. Uh, and uh, I, I have written down sort of the, the story beats. I have forgotten the order in which everything happened. <laughs> uh, but the thing that I think it makes sense for us to start with is uh, Book and Tarka's plan. As they, we, we, it's revealed that they are uh, sort of shadowing Discovery uh, and... Uh, need to have some way of getting into the hyperfield, perhaps along with them. Uh, how, how do people feel about uh, sort of this this plan that they cooked up? I mean, apparently they um, all remember last week when I asked whether or not they were having this whole experience on the planet while Discovery was going through the Galactic Barrier? Apparently not. Apparently that all happened while Discovery was getting ready and they must have just slipped in and done everything Discovery did at the same time that Discovery did it since yeah, they didn't I, even bother telling us that story. I feel like that must be the answer to my question. Last it, week. Yeah. It's it just like, it uh, was not even important. <laughs> so mm -hmm. they just skipped it, which uh, that, that does remind me of what, what my take would have been uh, be back when I uh, had first thought of it, which is just like, I, I feel like uh, this would have been a better season. I feel like there might be a better season of season four, if we just like delete a few episodes and I feel like you wouldn't necessarily miss them. Like if we just didn't have that casino episode, I don't know. I don't know if you would even need any explainers because uh, there's lots of uh, situations that we find ourselves in where you could have just been, they stole the device and now they have an isolytic weapon and like, it would have been fine. 
<laughs> I mean, was the, was the isolated weapon episode even necessary? We've now voted to do first contact, book and Tarka go rogue, and they're just now going to sneak onto Discovery and Discovery's past the Galactic Barrier. Well, I, 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 I did get, appreciate getting uh, Tarka's backstory, so maybe we need to like yes. cut out some things and then yes. re-edit the things around. But I, I think there's a better season fit, fit in with here. So, uh, so, so what you're saying is that we need to have, we need to be like, uh, who are those? Who, who, who is, it, is it like Toby Maguire who has his like own cut of Star Wars or whatever that he like shows his <laughs> friends? <laughs> so we need to do that, like make our own fan edit of Discovery. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> uh but yeah so uh I, I think maybe it makes sense for us to just kind of stick with uh book and tarka a little bit here so we actually infiltrate the discovery and uh i guess we're, we're sort of putting ourselves back in that place of what if you see michael or like what 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 do you do if you're caught uh type of things do uh uh, how how did we we feel about that uh, uh, that the danger that they had set up in this uh, that set of uh, scenes? I feel like I... they keep acting like Book is the liability, but Tarka is <laughs> undeniably the liability. And I don't know why why Book isn't acting like that is the case. Like, <laughs> just like like Tarka, you yeah. just can't you just can't trust anything he's going to do cuz he just like would kidnap people or i mean like like why did he even think that he could make a deal with Ndoye because um like are you going to go tell Tarka then well you better not shoot first you know you better hold off and wait until they have a chance to make first contact i just i find oh, yeah. books um naivete really startling <laughs> that was definitely a one of those promises of like uh that promise is gonna totally <laughs> fall flat you have you have not shown yourself to, uh, to be someone who can prevent tarka from doing things uh also, so making did, promises is did, did you enjoy this like we're gonna get Andoya on our side and she's gonna be a critical tactical asset in achieving our objective and it was like Thank you, General Ndoye, for letting me be on the other side of a wall for my girlfriend. <laughs> Truly, you have come in clutch in our situation. <laughs> yeah, it, it's that. that <laughs> I, I I enjoyed the pushback that that Ndoye gave because uh, it, it's it it makes makes her not just a character that is just pushing for like militarism or whatnot. Mm -hmm. I, so I, I like that there is a little bit of complicating. Uh, mm -hmm happening there but um i i, I don't know it, it's I, I i guess i have a, a vi only a very vague understanding of like really how important these delegates are going to be to the mission like i i don't know if if like tarina because she people like her that she's gonna like be able to make huge decisions about like what the ship is doing itself like the, these people aren't typically on the bridge but uh I don't know, maybe they are letting them in on the secrets enough that they'll be useful. Yeah, I, I just thought the whole book target thing was very contrived, and it was like, okay, we just need them to do something this episode. So, like, they invented this <laughs> thing where they are going to, like, stick to the side of the discovery, but then they have to upload the patch in order to do that. And it, so I hope that um, Jet Reno being on book ship now serves some important purpose or something because it yeah. seems like it was all kind of in service of that um yeah because otherwise i mean i just really i think it's like a, that 
you know, this is stuff I would cut out of that edit of Discovery. I mean, I think it serves no purpose at all. And I find I really don't find it compelling. Like, you know, that for this season, they wanted to have some more conflict, you know, coming from a different mm-hmm. different direction than the DMA itself, right? So they need some internal conflict. And so, you know, they made up this thing with Quajon getting destroyed. And um, I just, it just never really uh, did it for me. I I don't find it that compelling or that believable. I think Tarka, Tarka is kind of an interesting character. I mean, he's frustrating, but I do kind of like watching him. <clears throat> yeah, I I had a brief moment where I was wondering if uh, Tarka was actually going to get caught and then just be in the brig, and like that would mm-hmm. be how they sort of flip the script on us and and make it and like change things for from our expectations. But uh, at the make very it least, more I'm enjoyable just... to watch. but uh but yeah so i yeah i I think i'm with you that there there should be something that comes from this and the and what i'm saying something i'm not saying killing jet reno because uh i'm i would throw a huge fit i would be extremely upset she's friends with alex (laughs) kurtzman that's not gonna happen they're not okay very good seriously they can't they can't do that oh yeah that's that's off the table it just seems to me like they've missed an opportunity. I feel like this episode, or even the last episode, whatever, I feel like in the recent past, their missions really could have merged. And they could have said, you know what? Okay, we mm-hmm. tried our destroying the, um, the you know, whatever, destroying the DMA and getting to the power source. That didn't work. They are all on the same page. They all, if if first contact does not work, they one hundred percent want to do Tarka's plan. So I just feel like yeah. just just join forces, get the first contact thing rolling quicker, so then you can get to your destroying the DMA plan or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I just feel like well, there's yeah. an opportunity for them to have merged and be back in the same space, working towards the same goal. Why do we have to keep this constant? You know. Anyway. Well, and, and, the, and there's sort of like a um, a, a really like. Because they're on two separate ships, I mean, at least now they're attached to the hull, so we can uh, maybe more easily uh, explain, like, why Book or Tarka are in a particular scene or not. But it it seems like it would simplify a lot of the storylines if it was just they all ended up back back on the ship, and then Tarka helps, but then maybe throws a, a wrench in the plans, like, at the last minute, and we're like, oh, no, you betrayed us. But... I don't know. It's I, I agree that it, it, it feels a little bit uh, clunky. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of clunky, I think uh, this is a, a good time for us to uh, switch over to a different tech. Oh, and I think there, uh, were there more? I feel like there might have been more comments that were going to be made. I don't know. No, no. Okay. I've, I, okay. like, I like the I clunky transition. You like the yeah. clunky transition. Yeah. Speaking, and of, it, and it speaking works of awkward make... transitions, I'm gonna. You know. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 <laughs> the more we talk about it, the better, the better my metaphor is <laughs> for how clunky it is. So, um, I'm glad to be of service. <laughs> so uh, we have this... Uh, it's an interesting setting. Uh, we have this gas giant uh, that has had its atmosphere stripped by asteroids, which, by the way, doesn't make any sense, but I'm allowed at Star Trek. Uh, the And we're... we're it's surrounding, or it's in orbit of a star that has uh, Dyson rings around it. Um, I, I guess uh, I'm, not, I'm not even. Uh, uh, 
I, I was a little bit fuzzy as to like why we're even going to the gas giant when it seems like the better artifact to look at is the Dyson rings. But uh, I guess uh, how does the uh, w- was it compelling to you? Did you understand kind of like where people were going as far as like we're going to go down to this gas giant and like that's going to help us somehow? I mean, I got the core, like, um, I, I understood the core concept. I think the thing that frustrated me is why every, well, A, why we needed, like, a dramatic four people walking down a corridor with one person's space in between them, you know, like, uh, scene like that. And that how, like, everybody was upset that they were going to do this. Like, it makes perfect sense. You know, you want cultural context. Like, you don't want to speed into, like, making first contact with an unknown species for no reason uh with, with like absolutely no knowledge of them at, of any sort yeah um so I, I found the drama to be a little bit contrived in the beginning and the whole conflict between Indoya and Tarina I mean I kind of get it I guess like you know she she voted against the plan in the first place um I guess that makes sense it just it it just but it's I don't know for, for some reason it's just not kind of Everybody seems to be acting a little bit more uh, dramatically than I think they would in these circumstances. I mean, it, we had new uniforms that way that everyone got to wear. So I feel like you have to have that dramatic moment going down the, the uh, one person apart, like walking down the hallway. Uh, it, those, those costumes just deserve that. And then we're going to throw away those costumes immediately and have just EV suits when we're on the surface. Uh-huh. And by the way, did, did you notice how the Ferengi ambassador didn't say anything in the scene in the shuttle bay again? Like, they, they just have this Ferengi standing up. <laughs> just because they would probably ruin the drama to be like, Human! We want profit! We trade with species and see. Find evidence of stock markets, Human! <laughs> yeah, they're, they're going to... Uh, yeah, it, it, that, that is one of those things. Like, I I, I love Quark. Uh, I think there were, there was lots of lots of great storylines in DS Nine, but like, Ferengi are kind of an embarrassing species for Star Trek to have. Terrible. So I, yeah. I think I'm okay with them just being like, yeah, there's also Ferengi's in the future. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So the uh, we, we we get down and we start. Uh, uh, it's for some reason this gas giant has. I, I, I'm going to just say that this was like an icy core uh, type gas giant, and like that's what they're standing on now, uh, or something. Uh, but uh, the the I, uh, were people able to? I, I guess what were your theories as you started watching this to what was going on with like Saru? And, like, why is he freaking out or, or things like that? Well, don't want to take a step back. My theory was that we stopped watching Discovery and started watching a YouTube recap of the game Mass Effect 3 uh, when, <laughs> when they went on the planet. Because, like, through that whole sequence in the planet, I was getting major Mass Effect vibes right down to the armor they were wearing, or, like, the EV suits. It all looked like Mass Effect. Um, and it even, like... kind of did. <laughs> yeah, the, the, like, alien spaceship, beautifully visual, uh, beautiful visual presentation and set design, by the way. Um, probably all kind of that AR wall kind of thing is what I'm expecting that they did yeah. this around. Um, could not tell. I thought it was, I thought it was really, really immersive. But it was very reminiscent. I think it's actually Mass Effect 2 when um, <laughs> Shepard and their crew goes on to the uh, Geth ship. 
um, like an abandoned Geth ship. Mm-hmm. I, I think it is if I if I'm remembering the the, the scene correctly, and it kind of looked a lot like that. Um, but I thought that the and specifically in that that you know the interior of the structure, those like floating objects, it was very otherworldly in a way that Star Trek has only shown us a few times in the past. Yeah, there's a um, we we are really getting an alienness that that we we weren't able to get in a, a lot of uh, previous episodes and whatnot. And and I I think I agree with you about the the AR wall because it's maybe in reality they've just like spent m- most of the time with it on building sets like this because uh, I th- I feel like our our first pitch for the AR wall was just those awkward scenes with in like uh, Starfleet HQ. Uh, mm-hmm. Where it's just like this expansive empty room that has like our ten characters like standing in the middle of it because if they walked anywhere else they would be outside of the air wall. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, uh... yeah. <laughs> and, to, and to answer your question, by the way, about Saru, my first guess was that it was some sort of like uh, it's actually from Mass Effect. You know when he, when Shepard <laughs> activates the Prothean beacon and he sees like the warning of the Reapers. Yes, I was head. getting that kind of vibe too. I, yeah. I got the same vibe, and so that's what I thought. So this this whole pheromone thing was actually quite creative. I like it um, in terms of the conception of a wholly different method of communication. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I like how they how they where they took that. Yeah, um, I liked it. I didn't think it was like great, but um, I think Emily, as you said, it kind of had a regular Planet of the Week feel, and they had a mystery that they solved that was kind of fun. Um, and the pheromone thing—I mean, it's creative. Um, you know, if I start to take it seriously, it becomes much more dubious. It's like the most low bandwidth form of communication that you could like conceive of, right? It's like well, and don't very... all pheromones make like a different colored powder, like? You know, I mean, isn't that totally how it works, right? Yeah, couldn't they just tell visually by looking, oh, there's purple powder coming. Yeah. Uh, this is the love one. I'm going yeah, right. to get a sniff of that. Ooh, I'm this one's rainbow. I wonder what it is. <laughs> Mystery. Yeah, I wonder what the other 16, you know, it's like. Glitter. Mildly perturbed. Um, like <laughs> yeah. Sleepy. You, you think um, they have like a, you know, a drug culture on Species Tensi where they just put these powders on a mirror and just like mainline right. that? And they were kind of doing that. Culber was, you know, kind of uh, getting hooked on the love pheromone. Yeah. I, I, so, I mean, this does give us a, ch- a chance to like dig in a little bit with with discovery at least like post season three discoveries uh like vibe has all shifted towards like feeling our emotions and like uh uh relating to each other taking care of yourself and and stuff like that so uh do we feel like that was a this was a good way of furthering that and exploring that like was it compelling to 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 see that scene with with Detmer and then to have uh to have it sort of like drive the the conversation that happens with um Culber as well? Yes, I think I so okay. Here's a bit of a nuance thing. I really liked it. I like that Detmer's PTSD from last season actually means something now. We understand yes. her. I like that Emily Coots is getting more screen time. Mm-hmm. I just enjoyed it. 
The setup for it, though, getting to that point, I think is the weak part. You know, we've, we've seen this before in Discovery where not, these characters don't say anything for like five episodes or do, don't do anything significant. And suddenly they have like these very meaningful sequences where or like, mm-hmm. you know, one where Reese is like, oh, yeah, and my planet was my city was destroyed by a something, something. So that's why I'm really happy we're here, Captain. And so I'll say this, that this Detmer scene was not like that re-scene in its execution it wasn't as chick clunky yeah but i would have appreciated more setup from detmer for the last like four episodes coming into this so they don't it doesn't feel like it's like this is the detmer episode and we're just in, 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 i'm fully expecting us never to touch on this again because it's it just seems so chopped up um, well, so, and I think part of yeah. this is like a casualty of the, just the way television is and a 13 episode season. But like, it would be nice if we would learn about these things, about the different characters, not just because something is directly correlating to that aspect, mm. you know, like, you know, this city got destroyed. Oh, this is just like how, you know, where I lived and, and the city was destroyed. And it's like, okay. You know, I mean, like it feels like, um, the only reason we get to explore these characters is because they've decided that they had this exact same experience. And so that's that it, I agree. It makes it kind of clunky and like, it, it's not natural the way, I don't know. It doesn't feel natural. It feels contrived how these things come out. I, I did get punched in the gut when Detmer was like, oh, I've never felt this before. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, you, yeah. oh, oh, I have, I have, I have, unfortunately in my life, I have met people who have expressed similar sentiments. Um, I think we probably all have, mm-hmm. Emily, probably more than most, the, the rest of us as a pastor, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I would imagine. And it really is very sad to think about that um so kudos to discovery to like breaching that topic or broaching that topic with us same with the speed the the piece where culbert talks to burnham about kind of not being okay i i like it um and i think these are useful things i i yeah i had i like a couple things but they're like i wonder i don't know if we should save some of this stuff talk about after i don't know how we're splitting up or before the break and after the break well, um, yeah, I, I I was planning on an extremely awkward uh, thing, which, which we, we we can we can do that we can now. Do right now, just, just remember, <laughs> oh, oh, like just remember, you can't make a worse segue than the guy who invented a segue and like <laughs> rode it off a cliff. Okay, like so that's that's the limit of how bad segues get. Uh, you can't do worse. Okay, uh, so speaking of uh, riding our segue off a cliff, uh, this is where the break is going to happen, and. <laughs> Uh, Join us back in a bit to get the thrilling conclusion to whatever it is that Emily is about to say. United Earth is now on the path of a more powerful DMA, thanks to you. If we succeeded, you and your home would be safe right now. Everyone would be. That was my goal then, it's my goal now. You have one minute left. I've lost my home. You're about to lose yours. I know what it's like to feel there's nothing you can do. But all you want to do is take action. We can, General. We can end the DMA for good. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we've been eating a, just a whole mess of bananas uh, over here. We, we discovered the, the recipe for how to steam bananas, and it's just been a, a great way to spend our, our break before we, we talk to you. Um, yeah, uh, it, it was a... a uh, Notch is reminding me that there was a uh, the reason that we know about steamed bananas uh, is 
lower decks uh had uh bananas uh all over the place uh, when the replicators were malfunctioning so it's it's good that we got to reprise that here uh, yeah this is this is i think the first time that a live action series is referencing lower decks rather than the other way around, <laughs> around. right <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, there was like that a bit of a hint of it in uh, season three of Discovery and season one of of um, uh, Lower Decks because we we had the but I think some of it is those went ended up being showing out out of order, uh, but where we had the the warp um, warp, uh, phrase. the warp phrases that we were trying to figure out because both series like had that as like one of their episodes. But I'm gonna talk uh, about that when we talk about Picard, by the way, in the next episode. So <laughs> nice. Uh, Teaser for the next episode. Yeah, st- stay tuned. Although I think it's going to be. Uh, I was going to say, isn't it going to be the previous? It's going to be the previous episode. So, <laughs> okay. uh, I'll, back I'll, to the I'll future. No- Wait, yeah, what? yeah. Go back and re-listen to the episode that you just listened to. If you listen to it in the, according to the official ordering, so uh, time, time travel. This is getting complicated. Yeah, that's going to be v- that's very much uh, what we, we will be around the slash did talk did about it. in Picard. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, uh, uh, Emily, I, I believe that we had a, a horrible transition where you were about to say something and then yes. we took a break in the middle you're, of it. You're welcome for that. Um, so, uh, I was, uh, there was the conversation between Culber and Burnham that took place towards the end of the episode. Um, you know, he was just, I, that was totally high. I am going to speak. The writers are speaking to us as people who are living through a pandemic, the potential yeah. beginning of world war three, even though they wouldn't have known that when they were writing this episode, there've been um, plenty of and, uh, potential beginnings of world. War yes. All of, all of the years. bad things that have been happening over the past two years. Um, and so, I mean, it definitely felt like they were speaking directly to us. Like none of us are okay. We, we yeah. are all dealing now. Granted Colbert did die and then get pulled back into life somehow, you know, mm-hmm. through the mycelial network, whatever. But, Mushrooms, um, man. so he, <laughs> so, um, that was speaking to us, but also, and I don't mean this quite so harshly, but, um, how, I have a feeling that probably our listeners know what our political leanings may be on this <laughs> podcast. And I was like, I think they're trying to teach us how to talk to Republicans. Um, and so, <laughs> They were talking about like, we just like when he said the thing about like, I don't know, how do we make contact and learn how to communicate with a species that knows they're destroying us and doesn't care. And I just couldn't help but think of modern day parallels. Well, the people we like are, they know that they are spreading disinformation. Or they know that they are just lying through their teeth about it, but they do not care because it's more, what's more important is that they keep power, right? More than that, saving life and more that, than giving information that's life giving. So that's an interesting take because I, I had not, uh, that, that like didn't even enter the realm of possibility when I, when I was, uh, watching that scene but i i, I, mean, I, I can i can see where you're going from you didn't you didn't get it when they showed the species density cargo ships blocking all transport routes in and out of the milky way <laughs> like and when they start to look like mitch mcconnell and then you're like oh my god ted c looks like mitch mcconnell anyway no i think that's uh, giant that's turtles <laughs> and, and you know i will i will say you know emily you live in a pretty conservative area yeah. i have i have worked um in positions where uh where my co-workers are very conservative i i live in the midwest where you know political leanings change quite a bit depending on where you are geographically um mm-hmm. and it's 
I think this is something that we all should do more talking about just in general. So I'm glad Discovery is going there. How do we relate to people like that? Mm -hmm. Like, Because there's really complicated questions about like, well, if someone's denying me my human rights, like, am I, should I be even like giving them time of day? But then Mm -hmm. if you don't, Mm -hmm. like, how do you convince someone of their point of view? It is really tough questions about like that discourse. And I don't know, I, I will confess that I struggle with that. I don't know what the answers are there. So this is not me saying... And here's what I do, because I, as a humble podcaster, can tell you now how to live your life, because I'm tired of that, too. (laughs) Well, and it's also the notion of, so from my perspective, or from just, let's just stick with Discovery. I'm not going to speak personally here. So from Discovery's perspective, there is a chance that 10C knows that they are ending life in the Milky Mm -hmm. Way, right? And that doesn't matter, but it could be that then, so from from Discovery's perspective and from the Federation's perspective, that's just horrific, and they don't even know how to, how you know, how mm-hmm. do you engage with the species that would be so abhorrent? But then if you go look at it from Ten C's perspective, I mean that it couldn't, it, perhaps it has nothing like from their perspective, they're not just destroying this innocent life. That's, I mean, you know, I mean, it's just that. And we don't want to, for lack of a better word, and they they call this out in Star Trek sometimes, we don't ever, we have a hard time humanizing that which is opposed to us, right? We want to just demonize and make them other. And and Mm -hmm, so um, anyway, so there's, I think there are some interesting things that can happen with this, even if 10C does end up being the species that, oh yeah, no, we, we know what we're doing, but um, but here's why we're doing it, or or I don't know, you know. <laughs> Densi comes with the view screen. Are you triggered, Discovery? Just <laughs> snowflakes. You triggered now? And it's just like that's why they did it all. Um, no, but I mean, oh that makes it easier, of course. But I think I think there's. A, I would be very impressed if that's where we go here uh, with this. And I think this question of like, you know, they're like, oh, they respect life. This is reminiscent to me of sometimes when, you know, you, you form a very ideologically biased view of people and then they surprise you sometimes with their viewpoints and you, you mm-hmm. find yourself saying, maybe there's more in common that we can talk mm-hmm. about. Or, you know, this point of like discovery has an existential threat with species 10C, but their existence also might depend on being able to relate to species 10C and convincing them to respect their point of view, even though from discovery standpoint, it's a basic human right. Like my, you know, like, but, but it's kind of this, this idea of real politic versus what should be ideally the way things go. Well, and it's also, you see that, I mean, exactly the, the conflict that we're seeing play out between like, well, I'll just say, I'm going to pick one person versus another person just to make it easier between Burnham and Ndoye. The conflict that's that's between them, or even between um, Tarana. Uh, wait, I just Tarina. forgot her name. Tarina. Tarina. I was saying Tarana. Tarina and Ndoye. So Tyrannosaurus have... Rex. Sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we've got two different two different sides. You know, we have the one that's like, well, we need to take a little bit more time to understand the the species that we're dealing with so that we can have better chance of success. And at the same time, you have the person on the other side saying, I understand that, but to be quite frank, we're dying now and we don't have time to do that. We just need to stop the death right now. And we are hearing these arguments all the time in our real lives 
with what's happening in the world. You know, it's like, no, I don't have time to hold your hand and walk you through all of the steps so that you can see that my life matters as much as yours and that my access to healthcare or access Mm -hmm. to whatever matters as much as yours. I don't have time to talk you through that. We -hmm. just need to make the changes now. Right. And so you have people on, on both on these two sides, like, arguing it and there are points to both sides you know it's not i don't really look at it that one is right and one is wrong Mm -hmm. i mean there Mm -hmm. are there are good things on both sides of that issue not good people at um you know (laughs) racist chance i I don't mean that that's a different topic i'm talking about people who are working for the same goal but have different means of getting to that goal right Mm -hmm. anyway emily um, can i just appreciate that you you made the joke before i did i just i I, I was i was not gonna make it because you were making a really good serious point i was like i shouldn't like i shouldn't even go there but uh, i know how this all works yes (laughs) yes you do yes you do um um one other thing about Indoye, which is god damn when book comes out of the shadows and she's like i'll stab you i was like hell yeah she's got moves man Mm -hmm. she's got moves yeah Yeah, i i mean i i I appreciated that uh that way of of framing it uh because like we we know that united earth is like more militaristic is like we indoya has been relatively standoffish at at times so i i uh i feel like maybe i would have uh been confused if like that had happened with almost anybody else but it 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 fit very well with uh indoya's character and i feel like i um i understand her better now seeing her uh like ready to just knife somebody (laughs) well and we touched on this before i super appreciated though that she wasn't just like go get rid of it right now like she also said like you need to wait though like we still there is a chance that this first contact is going to work so you just need to give space and the second it doesn't or the second it looks like it's not going to then go ahead and destroy the dma but i just i appreciated that she was she isn't hard on one side she understands the value of both no i i i super agree agree with that and i feel like um Star Trek has a tendency to kind of um, reduce sort of the anti-Federation viewpoint into just like the straw man argument where it's just like uh, the Federation wants to give uh, uh, free access to everything to everybody and to let everybody have like the most democratic experience possible and everybody else is just like evil totalitarian whatevers. Uh, and I, I appreciate having someone who has a very strong viewpoint, but is, uh, like opposed in, in a, like a subtle way, but still is, um, like you can see the validity of, of their argument. So I, I, I feel like this is, this is Star Trek doing much better than what, uh, season one of Picard was, where it's just like, either you want to help the Romulans and, and let them, uh, do absolutely everything, or you hate Romulans and you think that they are a worthless empire that it would be better off destroyed. Um, you guys so. just pushed my rating of this episode much higher, and I reserve the right to come back to it if your theories are wrong and they don't follow any of this stuff. <laughs> and then and you're just... going to come back and no, revise and your... What, what, what they're going to do instead is, is uh, Burnham's just going to be like, hey, you got you want a hit of this? And then it's just going to... We figure out how to manufacture your love hero. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's going to be how they convince them. <laughs> This whole thing was actually allegory for the opioid pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) Epidemic or whatever it is. Um, Anyway. Uh, Anyway. uh, Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I I think now uh, we've we've got a... uh, Does anyone have anything else we want to bring up before we uh, go into our... Yeah? Detmer. 
Detmer is badass. And the my favorite one of my favorite moments, I had two favorite moments. For the most of the episode, my favorite moment was when Adira very awkwardly was like, you know, why yeah. well or whatever she said. I can't remember what yeah. she said. But so Adira was very clearly awkward and nervous and, you know, didn't know what to say or how to be around her, but wanted to have some sort of connection and talk to her. And uh, Detmer was so cool and genuine in the way that she responded to them. And I super loved that. I was like, Detmer, you are like the person that all of the rest of us awkward people wish (laughs) we were (laughs) nervous and awkward around because you handled it so coolly. She didn't make... Adira feel any weirder than than they already felt right so that yeah. was anyway I love that and then at the end how how Detmer kind of brought it around like oh yeah we're gonna we're gonna remember that every single day like it right. was just really great I loved it so much it was it was genuine um one thing I do want to point out about the Adira plot though is they kind of dropped the ball on Adira being somebody who is like this genius who can do stuff and now it's just shown as kind of a more Wesley role, which, you know, I I don't know. I I don't I, even I, know if it's Wesley. It's because I don't remember Wesley being quite that awkward. Like, you know, really like, awkward. like yeah. it's more awkward like, than Wesley. Yeah, like well, there's something really. I I don't like like, like, like they're young, so unsure um, of themselves and anyway. Yeah, but maybe more like Reg Barkley or something like yes. that. Yes, uh, but. Right, yeah, and and I wanted Dieter to have more like plot related, like cool plot related uh, uh, exploits that mm-hmm. that that are kind of um, less of this. Uh, well, I'm now learning the ways of the world. Uh, but anyway, if it got if it got Detmer more screen time this time, and like you were saying, a more genuine interaction that I think I've complained how the writers have written for these people, like a lot of these characters in these shows talk, don't talk like real people talk. I think that that conversation was like a real person conversation. Mm-hmm. Yes, so, it was. Um, one quick other point. Did y'all notice how with the EV suits, Detmer wears yellow, so she gets a yellow suit. Culver wears white, so he got a white suit. And then Saru and Burnham wear red, so they get a black suit for some reason. What? <laughs> it's like come on y'all yeah well because if they had like, red suits uh, how would you tell if they were bleeding sorry well at least <laughs> well, well that's why you do give it to command uh what, so... what are you saying bill i was just gonna say they kind of look like power rangers with the different <laughs> <colored> suits. <laughs> yeah. that's what the bones on that planet were they were from the megazords uh... <laughs> <laughs> nice uh Great. Uh, well, I think maybe this is a time where we should just go straight into our ratings here. Uh, who has a strange new rating for me? I'm going to go first. I never okay. go first, so I'm just going to do, do it. it. I'm going to give it a four out of five. Um, and I wasn't sure what I was going to give it before, but I just I feel like there were some if they do what I think they might be trying to do in some of the like modern day parallels, but trying to find a, a really creative way to touch on that i'm gonna be impressed and that seemed to be what they were doing at least i got hints of it um and i could have done without i'm getting tired of book and tarka as well um so that part you know wasn't fantastic but the other part was good enough that it can make up for it so and because jet reno was in it so that's always gonna bring my score up yes and detmer's a badass yeah 
I think this was a frenetic episode where the good parts I want to give them like an 8 out of 10 and the bad ones I want to give like a 4. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go with a 6 uh, as, a, as a kind of whole. I feel a little bad giving it a 6, but I think that's where I'm at. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to give it 8 steamed bananas out of 10 <laughs> on the steamed banana scale. Um but I think the I think the steam banana scale is actually it's like grading on a curve for discovery. So so I think it's an eight out of ten for a discovery episode. Okay. <laughs> I like the Planet of the Week thing. It was fun. It was I, I enjoyed it. I probably would not watch it again. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I'm I'm struggling because I I think uh yeah, eight, eight, considering that, like how I've rated some other episodes this season, I think eight out of ten is a is a a, a good fit for this because it, it's this. I think it's a solid episode. Yeah, there's things we can complain about, uh, and there there are parts of it that were, I wasn't like the most compelled, or like there have other been been other times in Discovery where I like been more excited to see the episode, but I, I just thought this was a, just like a, a great one all around. So uh, for the most part, so yeah. Uh, at this point, I guess we're going uh, straight into the end credits. So I want to give a thanks to my co-hosts, Notch, Emily, and Bill. Uh, and I want to also give a thanks to the other co-hosts who aren't currently here, Max, Dinah, and Rudy. Uh, where, wherever y'all are, uh, I hope that uh, it's just you're having a nice day. Thank uh, you, Adam. Yeah. Thanks, Adam. And, and thank you, listeners, uh, because... I mean, it's it's cool thinking that uh, we're saying some things and then somebody else is going to listen to them and they're going to uh, enjoy it or maybe they're going to uh, not not enjoy it. But I, I, I like to think that they enjoy it. So uh, hope, hopefully this was a good one for you all. Uh, I want to also uh, thank Jishnu Guha for our theme music. It's just uh, great every time I get to hear that. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad that we have a podcast so that we could make it happen. Uh, and... I also want to give a special thanks to the writers for not killing Jet Reno. But seriously, I'm warning you, don't kill Jet Reno. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.